I'm Pete Pedro Hoffmeister, and this is the Boring is a Swear Word podcast. While this is still a storytelling podcast, we're going to switch up the tone a little bit here. And today I'm only going to tell pooping stories. Now, there's a lot to work with. I looked it up, and with a global life expectancy of 70 years, the average person on Earth spends about 213 days pooping over the course of their life. In the United States, the life expectancy is 81 years old. So I multiplied averages and found out that the average person poops 26,000 pounds of poop during their lifetime. So that's a lot to work with. But today, I chose just five stories. It seems crazy now in the days of a pandemic, but when I was student teaching, I was told by my master's thesis advisor that good teachers are never sick. And what he meant was, if you're sick, you just tough it out and you go to school anyway. You just teach one day and the next and the next. You always go to school no matter how you feel, mentally or physically. Because when you're gone, there's a substitute there, a guest teacher, and they just don't have the relationships with the kids that you do. So you go every single day, no matter what. So that's what I did. When I got hired, I never took a sick day for the first three years I worked. And I was sick a lot because I was suddenly in this kind of cesspool of 2,000 high school students and all these other teachers. So I was suddenly around 2,000 people in close proximity. And I got sick quite a few times, but I just kept going to school. So sometimes I'd be at school with a fever, or sometimes I'd be at school with just a cold. But I wouldn't always feel good, and I would go anyway. So a couple years into my teaching career, I got up in the morning, and I felt bad, really bad. Something was wrong with my stomach. So I tried to sip a little water, and I ate a few saltine crackers. And my stomach was still bad. And I kind of leaned over the sink in the kitchen in the dark early in the morning, just kind of splashed cold water on my face, splashed it on the back of my neck. It was like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I always went to school early back then, too. So I'm getting ready to go. I throw a few things in my bag, some food, the papers I graded the night before. Get ready and decide to get on my bike as usual and go to school. So as I'm biking to school, my stomach's just kind of gurgling and feeling awful, and I'm sweating. I'm like, ooh, when I get to school, I'm going to drink some peppermint tea. So when I get there, I stashed my bike in the English office, and I went down to the main office, and I got some peppermint tea, said hi to people, sweating, walked out, had my peppermint tea in my hand, was sipping it, went and unlocked my classroom, and then I kind of had this horrible cramp in my stomach and was like, oh, this is not good, this is not good, not good at all. 
So for first period, I had ninth graders. And second period, I had ninth graders again. Third period, I had prep. So I just thought, well, if I just get through teaching my first two classes, I'll get to my prep period. Maybe I can lay down and maybe I can eat some antacids or something. Maybe I, I can get to a better place with my stomach. So as I was teaching first period, you know, talking about books, talking about writing, telling stories with the freshmen, I could tell that they could tell that I wasn't doing that well. And then finally this kid raised his hand and he's like, uh, are, you, are you feeling okay? And I realized that I was just like sweating profusely, just kind of like dripping. And my, my shirt was starting to get wet. My forehead's dripping. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't feel amazing, but I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. And I got through the end of that first period, and we had five minutes passing time. So the second I got through that first period, I knew that I was in dire straits, and I sprinted down the hall to the bathroom. And I got in the bathroom, and I was like, oh, actually, maybe I'm not going to throw up. Maybe I'm going to be okay. And I went to the urinal to pee, and I was peeing at the urinal. And then suddenly I had to let a little bit go, and so I did. And I realized that I not only had peed, but I had also just just a little bit pooped my pants. And I was like, oh, no. And I stood there at the urinal for like five seconds. I didn't have much time. It was five minutes passing time. But I stood there for about five seconds. I was like, I don't even want to move. What do I do? And I was like, well, I, I have underwear on, so, so it's okay. So I kind of uh, awkward walked, waddled around the corner to the stalls. And I got there, and I took off my shoes and my pants, underwear, and I took my underwear and I kind of mopped it out and I took toilet paper and wiped it out and then I uh, threw my pants on really quickly and kind of holding them up in the front, I sprinted to the sink. I got a bunch of soap on paper towels and I, um, you know, sprayed some water on them, went back to the stall, locked it, threw my pants off soaped everything out, kind of cleaned it out, didn't have enough time to rinse everything off, threw my pants back on, um, slipped on my shoes, came out of the stall, threw out my underwear, scrubbed my hands with soap and water as fast as I could, and then got out into the hall and sprinted down the hall back towards my classroom because I guess in my mind the only thing that mattered was being on time for my second period English 9 class. So I got in the room, slid in, there were maybe three or four seconds, and then the bell rang and second period started. And it was one of those times where, you know, when you're teaching ninth graders, you have to kind of quiet them down and calm them down at the beginning. You have to tell them to get out their books. You have to tell them we're going to start class, tell them to look at the board at the itinerary and the objectives and all that kind of stuff. But this day, a few kids kind of looked at me and they sat down. And then a couple other kids looked at me and sat down. And then everybody was sitting down and everybody was totally silent. And this kid raised his hand and he said, hey, uh, are you doing okay? And I was just leaning on my desk and I was just pouring sweat. This other kid was like, uh, you really don't look good. As a teacher, one of the things that I do is run an outdoor program in the afternoon, the Integrated Outdoor Program, the IOP. And we do so many things from 
river rafting to map and compass challenge to desert camping to spelunking caves. But one of the things we regularly do while we're in Eugene is climb at the columns, teach the kids how to rock climb outside. So one day, I bike down to the columns with my student leaders during lunch, and we set up ropes. And then all of the first-year students come in a group with my educational assistant and the other student leaders, and they bike and meet us. And when I get there, I set up all the ropes, and then I take my backpack, and I throw it down next to this log that kind of borders the area. Then during class, I spend the whole time checking people's knots, teaching people how to belay, reteaching people how to belay, talking about rock climbing technique, working with the student leaders, coordinating everything, doing cleanups of the areas, making sure that people, if they pick up glass or heroin needles or wearing gloves or are sanitizing their hands afterwards, you know, all the little minutiae. I don't really focus on my own gear. I just kind of do the class, and then when everybody's ready to go, they all get on their bikes and well, bike back, and I'm the last person to bike. I bike at the back of the group. So at the end of this one day, everyone's kind of gearing up to get ready and go, and the educational assistant's biking in the front. We've got student leaders in the middle, and I'm going to bike in the back. And there are a couple students with me, a couple seniors. And there's this girl, Natalie, standing next to me, talking to me about climbing in the day. And I go to pick up my backpack, And when I pick it up and sling it on, I realize way too late that it was kind of sticky as I brought it up off the ground. And as I swing it around, something flings off the bottom of the backpack and slings onto Natalie, splats onto her. And she looks down and it's yellow brown. And I look down and the same substance is dripping down the side of my hip. And I look by the log and realize that somebody, at some point, probably the night before, somebody had squatted against that log and had a huge, huge diarrhea episode. It was bad. It was sick poop. It was a big, wide, yellow-brown lake with a crust on top. And it was on my hip, and I'd flung it onto Natalie. And Natalie and I just stood there there was another girl nearby who did not get any poop on her, but she was horrified. She was like, oh, my gosh. And then one of my student leaders, she walked up. She was like, uh, you guys got to get this off. There could be, like, hepatitis or something. And I'm like, yes, what you said. Kids are smarter than adults, okay? So I was like, okay, Natalie, uh, you got to go straight home, get this off. I got to go straight home and get this off. The student leaders were like, we'll take the back of the group. Uh, we've got an adult in the front of the group. Everybody's all together. It's going to be fine. You two just go. So I'm like, okay, Natalie, you just go. I'll go. This is insane. I mean, it was disgusting. It smelled horrible, and the color, it was so bad. So I was like, okay. And my home was the exact opposite direction from school. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll see you all later. And I had my backpack on my back with it dripping off the back. It's on my it bike. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I bike home, 
And the whole way home, I'm just like kind of panicking in my mind, like, oh, what could possibly be in somebody else's poop if they're sick too? I don't know. And I get home and I open up the gate to my backyard and go straight into the backyard and I just start hosing myself off, my backpack off, my bike off. And then I dip into the laundry space and grab the bleach and then I pour bleach on some old towels and I'm scrubbing my bike with the bleach, my backpack with the bleach, the back of my clothes with the bleach. And I'm just like, I don't even care if I wreck these clothes. They're probably wrecked anyway. It doesn't even matter to me. I got to get this off. And then I dip my head in the house and I kind of yell what happened. And Jenny comes to the door and she's like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. I'm just going to put them straight in the laundry. I'm going to wash them twice, uh, put spray and wash and bleach and soap in there. And we'll, it'll be fine. Uh, I'm going to bleach my backpack. I'm going to take a shower. It's going to be it's going to be okay, you know. So I took such a long shower, and I ended up washing those clothes three times, and I even ended up throwing one thing out. But I kept my backpack. I was able to scrub it off and wash it out inside and out. So the next day I go to school, and the student leaders and I, when we see each other in the hall, are just laughing about it. Like, like that was crazy. And then when it comes time for the integrated outdoor program in the afternoon, fourth period after lunch, Natalie comes up to me, and I'm like, wasn't that crazy? And she was like, yeah, that was crazy. And I was like, what did you do? Like, because I, I, I went home, and I did this whole, like, hose thing and bleach thing and clothes thing, and I explained my whole thing to her. She's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I did some of that, like, later. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, oh, well, I actually had to be somewhere yesterday. And I said, what? She's like, well, I, I had told a friend I was going to go to her house. And I said, you went to, to your friend's house? Like straight from the column, straight from being covered in diarrhea from a stranger? She was like, well, I told her that I would go over there. And I was like, so did you just clean up there? She's like, well, what I did is I like scrubbed off with some bark and some leaves. And then when I got there, like... I used some paper towels and I kind of like wiped myself off and everything. And I was like, you didn't even shower? And she's like, well, not till later till I got home. And I was like, when you hung out with your friend, did you like sit on her furniture? And she said, no, I didn't sit on her furniture. And I was like, Natalie, what did you, you didn't, what did you do? She's like, well, we just kind of um, hung out on her bed. I was like, What? You went on her bed? Natalie was like, well, she didn't know, so... And I was like, you took random person's diarrhea onto your friend's bed. And she was like, well, I felt bad about it. And I was like, and you didn't shower until you got home. And she was like, I'd wash my hands really well. And I was like, okay, poopy Natalie. And uh, that's what... I called her for the rest of the year. My family and I were camping at Lost Rocks on the northern California coast, Redwood Country, just south of the Klamath Nation, camping on the beach among the huge house-sized boulders. We went there for Father's Day. It was me, Jay, our baby, Rain, my little brother, L, my little sister, Maddie, 
just the five of us, for four days, three nights, camping out on the beach, playing wiffle ball, reading, laying in the sun, walking in the surf, bouldering on the boulders, scrambling around. Just an average fun vacation. And during these camping days, you know, we would eat a few meals a day and we had lots of snacks, but it was bear country. So we had a garbage bag away from us, away from where we were camping, away from our fire pit and our tents, up near the hillside, far enough away that the bear would go straight there rather than come near us, but close enough that we could walk over without having to hike too far. So after we prepared meals, we would just grit things out with sand, dump things in the fire pit, walk our garbage over to the garbage bag. And on the second night of the camping trip, right, I'm feeding Rain a bottle, right? She's a baby. I'm feeding her a bottle of warm milk, and she's in my lap. And Ellis and Maddie and Jenny and I were just all telling stories, and it's really pretty, and we're sitting around the campfire, and Rain's starting to fall asleep in my arms. And it's one of those really, really peaceful June nights on the NorCal beach, and it's just really quiet. There's no wind. It's gorgeous. And there's kind of a lull in our conversation, and all of a sudden we hear something coming down the hillside. And we all get really quiet and listen. And whatever it is, is big. And it's coming down this steep, verdant, thick undergrowth. It's kind of crashing and breaking through. And all of us know what it is. We're like, bear. Right? So we listen as this bear comes down the steep hillside. It's breaking through. Crashing. Coming down. Pretty quickly we realize it's going straight for our garbage sack. That's okay. We just kind of stoke up the fire. All of us get our headlamps. We're a little bit nervous, but we're like, okay, we're by a fire. It's probably not going to come right up to the fire. It's going to go straight for that garbage. It's going to be fine. We get quiet again and we listen. Bear's getting closer, coming down towards the beach, still crashing through this underbrush. We all kind of shine our headlamps over on the garbage bag from where we are and we're waiting and then we can kind of see movement in the brush and then all of a sudden the bear comes out except it's a really small bear or not a bear at all it's just a raccoon it's a very 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 loud raccoon and we all kind of laugh relieved we're not dealing with a really really hungry bear so we watch this raccoon, and then we're just kind of in good spirits, and we're curious. So we watch to see what it'll do, and it opens up this garbage sack, and it, like, tosses an empty can of chicken next to it. And it's kind of going through the garbage with its little human-like hands, and it's kind of, like, throwing things over its shoulder. It's going back and forth and back and forth and kind of digging through this garbage, and we're all just purely entertained watching this. And then, all of a sudden, it comes across a really, really full, poopy diaper of rains. I mean, a bad diaper. 
one of those really bad baby diapers where it's like up the back and crazy full. One where I had to use so many wipes to clean her. So this thick, full diaper. And the raccoon holds it in its little raccoon hands. And it looks up at us as we're all shining our lights on its face. And then it just bites into the diaper. And then it just shakes its head side to side. And it's like, and it gives us a look like, you're not taking this prize from me. This is mine. And it keeps the diaper in its mouth. And with its eyes trained on us, its eyes full of distrust and hate, it backs into the undergrowth so it can keep its eyes on us, so it can make sure that we will never take this incredible prize from it. A couple of years ago, my friend Jackson and I decided to carry backpacks and camping gear and fishing gear and a canoe from his parents' house to the Mackenzie. We then get on the river, paddle the Mackenzie River to the confluence with the Willamette, then paddle 200 miles north to the Columbia. We wanted to link rivers. We wanted to camp stealth style, so camp free in little hideaways we found on the side of the river or on islands along the way. Kind of Huck Finn adventure. So we started out thinking we'd paddle at least to Portland, 195 river miles carrying around the dam at Oregon City. But instead, it was July and the river was running one mile an hour at the fastest. And in some places there were reversals and we'd get into huge eddies and we'd be paddling against a current and paddle for 20 minutes straight just to go to a quarter mile. So it ended up being more of an adventure trip and a fishing trip than anything else. And I'll probably tell more about that trip later, but right now I'll say that we didn't take much in the way of protein, just a little bit of cheese, because we figured we'd fish along the way and that would be enough protein for us. So the first couple days, we were catching a lot of rainbow trout, and we were cooking them on stick fires on islands along the way, and it was great. But at day three, the rainbow trout ran out. We didn't really know what was in the river. We'd only fished for steelhead and rainbow, so we didn't know about catching anything else. I tried flies and lures all kinds of different things. And I just kept catching pike minnow. And from sleeping on islands and eating every fish I caught as a kid, I know that pike minnow are disgusting, full of bones and gray meat and mushy. And I didn't want to eat pike minnow. So I was like, we got to figure out how we can catch something we can eat. So we saw some local fishermen in a boat we were, you know, maybe 70 miles into the river trip. And we went up to them. We paddled up to them and said, hey, guys, what are you fishing for? And the guy looked at us and he goes, sturgeon. Caught an 11-footer here yesterday. I was like, okay. And I looked at our little fly rods. 
my light fly rod, my light spinning rod. There was just no chance I could catch a sturgeon. And I was like, is there anything else you can eat? Panfish or anything. And they were like, hmm. They said, here's what you need to do. They handed us a styrofoam cup full of worms. They said, you paddle up River Mile 79 for you, right, if you're coming from Eugene, and you look right, and you'll see the Sandy Am dumping in. Cut hard left. You won't see it, but there's the Lakeumute River. If you paddle in there, there's an oasis, and there's going to be crappie and perch and bass in that deep water off the sandy shelf. And it was kind of late in the day, and Jackson and I were pretty excited. We were like, okay, thank you, thank you. That's awesome. So we paddled down, and we looked for the Sandy Am. We almost missed the Lakeumu, and we had to paddle back up river on the left side, and we got into this big eddy. We drifted into this pool, and it was almost tropical back there. There was deep, deep, still water. The Lakeumu looked more like a swamp and a bog and a deep water pool than any kind of river. We set up our camp on the sandy slope in these crazy wide-leaf plants that I don't even know what they were. And there were huge birds in the trees that sounded like monkeys as the sun started going down. And we just kept thinking, where are we? And we started fishing with worms. And the water just came alive with fish. Perch on the surface, bass and crappie underneath, We started catching so many fish that we started cutting the worms in half, reusing them or pulling them back out of the stomachs, reusing them. We threw back everything that didn't look perfect sized. We were like, okay, we're just going to catch one of each fish in the perfect size for what we're going to grill and eat. So I had my crappie and I had my bass that were the right size for me. Jackson did the same. We started a stick fire and we started to eat. Jackson hunched down just in his shorts with his beard, and he's eating semi-cooked bass, saying, ah, I feel like a rotten hobbit. And after we ate and we felt good and we'd had protein again, I got kind of curious. So I took the entrails of one of my bass, and I took it over by the boat so I'd remember and see it in the morning again. And I just left it out. I didn't throw it in the water like I normally did. I left it out. Because I had heard that if you take the entrails of a bass and fish with that, you can catch a bigger bass. So I went to sleep that night. And when I woke up in the morning, I made some coffee. And I took those entrails, and they were covered in flies. And I gobbed them onto some, a big hook. And I had my biggest line, my biggest spinning rod. And I threw it out there. And a huge bass tore into it. And I caught a huge bass. And then I took some more of those entrails. And I caught another bass. And I was just catching, releasing these big old bass. And I was having fun playing the big fish in the morning. And it was, it was great. But I made a little mistake. After using these entrails to fish and catching some big bass, right? I just kind of rinsed my hands in the water and went over and I ate breakfast. And I guess I'm a messy eater, or I eat with my hands, or something, I'm not really sure. But without washing my hands, without really scrubbing my hands with soap or grit, sand, something, I just ate 
And I must have gotten a little bit of those bass entrails, the ones that I had rotted overnight. I must have eaten a little bit. So we paddled out that day, and we'd had such a perfect fishing spot and such a perfect camping spot. We paddled all the way to Salem that night, and we camped on this island that ended up not being an island, and it was just us and the homeless population and fires springing up all around us. We ate dinner. We wrestled. We talked to some different people that were camping on the island. We read, and we went to sleep. Right after I went to sleep, I almost immediately woke up, and something was very wrong in my stomach. And I threw up, and I had diarrhea, and then I threw up, and then I had diarrhea, and I crawled back in my sleeping bag. And a little while later, I got up again, got sick again. A little while later, got up, got sick again. A little while later, got up and got sick again, over and over and over. And I was deathly ill all night, off and on. Food poisoning from the rotted bass guts. And in the morning, I couldn't eat and I couldn't drink coffee. And we paddled out day five. And I was just horribly sick. And Jackson turned to me and he was like, I've never seen you like this. You look like a ball of misery. I realize all of this poop talk doesn't make me sound like a very classy person, but I'm not a classy person. I'm dirty. Been dirty my whole life. Wrestled in high school, that's a dirty sport. Fought mixed martial arts. In college, I wrestled for the University of Oregon. And that room was just full of blood and sweat. Sometimes you're in practice and you realize you've got a bunch of blood on your shirt and it's not even yours. Or you catch an elbow and split your eye and bleed on your wrestling partner. But even before that, I was dirty. My mom, when I was a kid, would call me her little Spartan because I would pull a blanket down from my bed, set up and go to sleep on my floor in my jeans and my tennis shoes, wouldn't even undress, just go to sleep and start over in the same clothes the next day. So I've always been like that. But this story is especially dirty When I was a teenager, I was at wrestling practice and finished practice, did not shower at practice because I needed to get over to a girl's house. When I got over to the girl's house, I realized, oh, I smell like my teammates, which is how you smell at the end of wrestling practice. You smell like everybody else added together, compounded bad smells. So I was like, hey, can I take a shower? She was like, sure. And I got in the shower, and I realized I was kind of sick to my stomach. And I was like, oh, no, I got to go to the bathroom. But I didn't know this girl well. This is only the second time I'd ever been to her house. So I was like, well, I don't want to poop and stink up her bathroom. So I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? So what I did was I just pooped in the shower And then I stomped it down the drain, and then I poured a ton of shampoo in the bottom of the bathtub. 
And then I kind of squished that around with my feet to try to, like, I don't know, cancel out the smell. Because, you know, I'm classy. This episode is dedicated to my little sister, Haley Hoffmeister, a comedian in L.A. Not that she would ever joke about something gross. Not that she would ever do something like what I'm about to tell you. So let's use the word allegedly. Allegedly, maybe, Haley, when she was in college, waited for one of her best friends to fall asleep in his room. His name was Tom. She and her friend went to the store and got a bunch of ground beef. And they mixed it with food coloring and made logs of ground beef. And then, after Tom was asleep, they snuck into his room and they put these discolored logs of ground beef in his bed. And then they woke him up. And when he sat and was like, what's going on? They were like, you pooped your bed, Tom. Look, look what you did. You pooped your bed, Tom. Pointed to their logs that they had made. So Haley, this is for you and for everybody else. Please give this podcast a good rating if you weren't too disgusted. And thank you for listening. To the boring is a swear word podcast. And my-